you're tuned in to Goldie and the Gator, and this is the Highland Wheel Story. That was the Gator, as if you thought I was sitting here doing that. <laughs> Mr. Multi-Talented has been on location again I'm this week. Here he is, here he is. Ah, we've got a cracking show for you. Um, a wee surprise, a wee something that nobody Aye. would expect. Well, I don't know. If, I don't know. I wouldn't have expected it if I, I'd been at the other end of the radio. To be fair. All right. Okay. I would never have thought to be. In which case, yes, you're right. would have pulled that off. Well. And it just—it's your charm. It's your charm. Well, we've got some brilliant music on as well today. I've been desperate for this one. I know, I know, and I think personally, right? See, because you're such a big fan on your own, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a big deal. I know. Oh, can you imagine if we'd? Uh, I know that he was he was gone before we were born, but oh, I love to have spoke to him. He was gone before I was born. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> I love you anyway, sweetheart. That's the main thing. Right. So anyway. <laughs> Really? Moving on. Right, let's get the first song on because it's amazing and then we'll mm-hmm. get into the good stuff. And it is the man himself. And by the way, I must mm-hmm. also point out that this was actually his wife's favourite song. I know Aww. that because his daughter said this uh, poor boy was my mama's favourite song. I just I didn't have a favourite, I just I, I just liked them all. But you will enjoy this. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
tune, eh? I know. I'm not sure he wrote that, actually, to be fair. I think it's a blues traditional, but it's definitely one of the best versions I have ever heard. I know Aria Burnside done a version of it, and mm. and Cameron Kimbrun, who, whoever else, but that is one of the best I've ever heard, personally. He's, he's definitely got a really cool sound, hasn't he? Absolutely. Um, and it's funny, um, obviously... Before you start slagging me off on the radio, I am aware. I am aware of what this meant as well. But you know, he was of he was known as one of the, the blues giants, and at six foot three, yeah, he literally, <laughs> he was, literally was a blues giant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you imagine though? Can you imagine like going to see him and then he, he starts like growling and crawling across the floor? At, I know, at I know. Three hundred pound, six foot three man. <laughs> I know, I know. I can. I tell you what though. Do you know where he learned that? That kind of. Pattern, I, th- I do believe it was Charlie Patton. Yes, I, I tell you, a bit about Charlie Patton, which is important as well, is, um, and it all kind of ties in with the show, Charlie Patton was actually one of these people who, who revolutionised um, showmanship in that genre in particular because he was like hitting his guitar and flipping it and playing it behind his neck and, and licking it, playing it with his teeth and, and doing all this other stuff as well as being an entertainer mm-hmm. and a juke joint or a barrel house as it was called back in the um, slavery days you know um, and and that's who Helen Wolf actually looked up to and, and he took him under his wing to a point you know and, and gave him his first shot at you know being able to play guitar so I think that's pretty amazing but that's not what this is about because you can find that stuff anywhere this is about what he was actually like as a guy and, and his character outside being a pop star almost Aye, I mean, you know, he um, had a rough start and um, started playing guitar and, um, oh, what? mouth organ thing, aye, mouth oh, organ, Boy ah, was married to his stepsister Maggie, but he taught him. Yeah, yeah, and I'll tell you what, he also stole from him as well. Sonny Boy Williamson stole from him and nearly got shot, well, apparently. I wouldn't have stole from him either. No, no. See, if I saw you a month ago, I'd have killed you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 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 and, but he had such a... Um, so, he, you know, he had a bouncy start, but he drove from um, the Mississippi to Chicago in his own car yeah. with $4,000. Now, $4,000 back then was a lot of money, but for a black man to have amassed was just and he said I'm going to go and I'm going to get sorted and then I'm going to send for my band and they all went they just like well, I, I tell you what I don't want to spoil this, the rest of the show with all your wealth and knowledge because you love the guy right so I let's was, not actually because I so what I was, there's some fruits coming up what I was going to say was is um, he had a you know a lovely love story with his wife yes and he also had the most amazing family story from his kids yeah and I think anybody to do as much as he did in that scene, um, given the racial divide at the time, given the fact that he did not have to um, be as good a person as he was mm-hmm. by any means, he had every opportunity available made, especially with bands like Rolling Stones, looking up to him. Mm-hmm. You know, let's not forget this racial divide at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, and they still do, and I know that for a fact because of a, a vast family. Um, so. Let's uh, let's actually listen to Barbara. Uh, you know, oh, I nearly give it away. Let's uh, let's stick her on. So, this is. Uh, I'm I'm just gutted I didn't get to do this, but I know, but, sorry, you know, sorry. Sorry, I'm, I'm just going to go and turn up on our doorsteps. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. <laughs> yeah. So I, anyway, I spoke. Basically, I spoke mm-hmm. to him. Um, I spoke to his daughter. Um, 
oh, what a woman. I've I, watched, I've watched it all. Though. I know, I know, I know. Um, <sighs> so, and she's she's a beautiful person, but most of all, mm-hmm. she is very invested in keeping what his spirit meant alive, and that the goodness and the music and the well-being that he delivered, and this is the part of the chat. You'll get to hear some more of it later. Yep, so. enjoy. First of all, what does it feel like being Howlin' Wolf's daughter? It feels the same, I suppose, as you being your father's son. I I don't know why, but I never really looked at him as a legend that you guys see him as. I just looked at him as, you know, I understand now his contributions, you know, to the world with his music and everything, but... I just saw him as ordinary dad, and I want to say I still see him that way, but he was just blessed with a, a more talent than some, you know, more. Um. Yeah, and I think from what I've learned, he actually worked a lot harder than others to, to perfect it. You know, yes. I mean, you know, I mean, the fact that, you know, he struggled to read and write and then went and studied everything and learned business and, you know, that's a hard, hard thing to do. And I appreciate yeah. it would have been a lot harder for a black man, you know, in those days as well, True. which is something True. that is also overlooked. So there you go. There's no, I'd specifically did actually ask um, personal questions, very personal questions, actually, because Howlin' Wolf has left such a big impact on the world as, a, as an artist that you can almost... See, because he wasn't very much into the limelight, you can find almost anything about him online. So the only way to to have a niche on this show would have been to speak to a family member. So after months of um, hunting and and asking favors, and I managed to get um, some time with her, and she did tell me the only reason she gave me any time at all was because me. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 Sound mate, <laughs> but um, no, but really, uh, the jokes aside, mm-hmm. it was because she realised that her sincerity behind the show was quite relevant, you know, and and I think that that wanting to keep the wanting to keep the stories accurate to to who he was as a person is for, is also very important, you know, because there's been a lot of films made, a lot of documentaries, a lot of music released on it, uh, on his behalf and. You know, and tribute to him, and oh, he was my inspiration, and then a lot of stories told on the back of that that aren't accurate. So it was nice to speak to somebody who, who he raised, mm-hmm. and as a as a shining example of a good human being as well, might add. She's a lovely person, and mm-hmm. and she's been very helpful to us. And you know, so by all means, like if you like the show, you know, get it shared and and say good things about him and his music because it goes hand in hand, I believe. Um, what have we got next, then? We've got Charlie Patton. Really? Do we mm. want to put that on now? Because I want, I, I tell you what, I know it's not supposed to go on right now, but we've got so much music that I think we could probably afford to. See, what what we do is is, is um, we come up with a playlist and then I always make sure there's a couple of extra because he does this every week. He's done it every week since week one. Yep, and, and <laughs> to be fair, when we were actually writing down the schedule, I'm like, oh, should we put that there? Oh, this is a great running order, and then it is if the show's 45 minutes long with no chat. <laughs> then I realise it's a podcast as well. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, why? we need to talk to you. So Yeah, and then we, we, we talk about, we think we'll, we'll start and we'll talk about this and then we just talk to each other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I tell you, right, so before we do anything else musical, mm-hmm. 
da 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 apart from that um, we do have some cracking tunes up from some people who, who matter a lot in modern music um, so Ian Siegel a friend of ours Mm-hmm. Who a lot of listeners will probably know already, or you know, have heard about, or whatever. Um, I was telling you, sure, the other the other day that he does an amazing impersonation almost of Howl Mouth. Yeah. And nobody, nobody ever say that to believes me because there's only one Howl Mouth. But you did listen to it and you went like that. Who's that? I said mm-hmm. that's Ian Siegel, and yet it sounds like Howl Mouth. Yeah. So we've got him on. We've got the fabulous Els Bailey. Oh yeah, who, who, I, the song itself says it all, mm, you know. So you've got hundreds and hundreds of good stuff to look forward to in this show, and I'm behaving myself this time as well. I know, I know. But you know, you know it's a Friday afternoon after all. <laughs> you know, I do need to, you know, stay off the buck fast at <laughs> nine o'clock in the morning. As if. I know. As I can't if. stand it. I know. I can't even make <laughs> that joke up. Eh? I know it's horrid. <laughs> it is horrid. Unless you put red bull in it, it's pretty nice, guys. Honestly, I, I have no joking. No, no that's, Honestly, that's a lethal combination. I, that's, it's I never said it was good for you. I never said it was Please good for you. Please don't do that. It'll be like, you better let um, Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, right, aye, 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 I know. Mm-hmm. Right, so, right, let's get this Charlie Patton tune up. Right, so this is Down the Dirt Road Blues. I got that out. I am so, I'm proud of myself. So impressed. Did not stumble over my teeth at all. I'm one away. Can't go down it, 
So, there, there you go. A wee momentary lapse and putting my microphone on. Aye, a wee Charlie Patton tune. Aye, and a wee bit of tapping going on, and you can hear it. He was something else. He was revolutionary, honestly. And there's only one picture of him. I know. I've like. He's like up there with the Robert Johnson legend. Only the different, you know, he he could already play, so they never had to make up their story about his crossroads and and all that stuff, because Mm. Charlie Patton was already smashing it out the park as a player. As an entertainer, you know, and I thought that was pretty cool. And there's loads of, I tell you, there's loads and loads and loads of songs by Charlie Patton. A 660 audio got recorded, I think. Yeah, and I think um, when you hear them, you can definitely also hear uh, its part in Howlin' Wolf's um, career. Mm -hmm. You know, Spoonful by Howlin' Wolf is. It's his song, isn't it? Well, it's it's, it's not directly I because there's a bit of difference, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. I it was definitely taken from that whole idea. Aye. You know, there's certain lyrics that been mm. borrowed, not stolen, because I think he respected I'm the man not, too I've much. A, yeah, but I think there was a lot of sharing. Um, yeah, well, there's a I lot of shared melody in, in the earlier music as well. Yeah, so. I don't think I don't think um, the music industry by any means has changed at all. To be honest, no, in terms of um, people regurgitating. <laughs> well, because there, there is only so many notes. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there is only there's so only so many combinations, isn't there? Absolutely, mm-hmm. and and I think there is also only a certain amount of uh, people in the world that, that relate to that hardship that can actually do it honestly mm-hmm. and I think that the fact that those two in particular come together at a particular time in, you know in yeah. the universe is, is amazing you know because I mean you're, you're talking about a guy right six foot three right massive guy massive strong looking man but big warm heart right yeah very humble you know he, he was kicked out you know because he went to work for like 15 or 16 cents a day and he walked no, I'm not joking. He, he, went, he, to, he went to his, his uncles yeah. first who abused him really, really badly. Now he was a child at the time. It did scar him, he said. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you. And he, and, and but he this did, will tell you how bad it was. Yeah, yeah. He actually walked 75 miles in his, you know, in his bare feet to get to his dad's to where he had a great life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just think that's, a, you know, that's an amazing story. And I think much like Muddy Waters, his, his, his professional rival yet, um, hometown friend, you know, um, you know, he was he was very much a Chicago friend. Of his, I you know? he was the first person he looked up because he didn't uh, know right, anybody. Yeah, that's right. He was a Chicago friend, you know. I um, think they used that kind of professional rivalry for gigs, but there was a time where he overplayed to try and stop Muddy Waters getting on to do his. Yeah, <laughs> and I think there was loads of times where um, where uh, Muddy Waters did actually point out to everybody else that he was the real Chicago master, <laughs> you know. And and Howlin' Wolf says in an interview that. Um, well, actually, that's because you know when you feel insecure, you know you've got that, you've got you, you got evil going on. <laughs> um, but I think that was very much a natural, friendly rivalry, <laughs> because um, not only not only did uh, Muddy Waters um, like let him how you know stay at his house, but um, Howlin' Wolf was also very openly grateful for that. <laughs> You know, and he and he paid him back in any way he was able, mm-hmm. which is massively important, I think, as a friendship goes. Yeah. You know, you know, it's give and take. One hand washes the other. You know, <laughs> it doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be. But as long as you're grateful and kind, then mm-hmm. you know, I think that's important. So, so this is the mark he's left in the world, right? And um, our next song is actually from someone who he employed um, as his his guitarist. You know, for for ninety percent of his career, I would say. Mm-hmm. 
However, um, not only that, he became very close to the guy, treated him like his son, and you know, and even to this day, they were he was regarded as like family for the rest of them, yeah, the family. So I think that's also a big deal. No, so do you want to stick that tune on, or mm-hmm. is it too early? No, no. So are you sure? Aye, he's like we've got. Aye, you're the mm-hmm. boss, like. <laughs> kind of. Okay. You're the boss, boss. Mm-hmm. Sorry, boss. Right, so Hubert Simlin. Yeah, here we go. I can't Let's read my own writing. What did we put on? Uh, oh, blues is here to stay. Aye, yeah. and so it is. Aye. There's Hubert Sumlin. And I tell you, 
I remember watching. This is a funny story about the guy. So, um, when when I was watching the Crossroads Guitar Festival like a while ago, it was probably on a a YouTube thing or you know one of those nights where you have a mad weekend and you just want to stay up all night and listen to music or watch videos of what you love. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing I loved most about this one particular time, the only time I can ever see Eric Clapton in positive light, you know, uh, uh, something that he put on for his own gain, mm-hmm. right, was when Hubert Sumlin came on. Like all suited and booted as he always does with the same guitar he always plays, and uh, played the same way he always plays and has done since the fifties, um, and he got more of a an applause than anyone else at that festival. And I thought that is exactly what he deserves because he has worked for that. He's for a real place, you know. Mm-hmm. And he just, you know, I just think the guy and he's he looked. I mean, he's another guy that I just wish, you know. Had he still, you know, still been alive, I think that we would have had a great time talking to him, because he's Aye. one of these folk who would talk to us, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's pretty cool. And um, actually, th- there's more of this chat as well. Like, so I don't want to like fill, fill our time with me talking about what I think about people. How about we hear more about um, more from his daughter? Yeah, is that all right? Absolutely. Very right, cool. <laughs> Yeah, he was a very down-to-earth man, and, you know, he loved intensely. He, you know, he did the music as a job, but personally, you know, he was just dad, the husband, the father, the hunter, the, you know, fisherman, you know, just like everybody else. It's so weird, and I hate to drop names, but I was chatting with Mick Jagger a little while ago, and he was saying to me, let's see, how did he say it? And uh, that he'd like to have a private life with some of his fans and everything. And uh, uh, he said, he's a simple down to earth person. I said, you know, I, I can understand his need for a private life because of my dad's lifestyle. So it's it's ironic that, that uh you know, you we would get into the personal life. As you say, everybody knows the musical life, but uh, they're just people. Like I told Mick, I said, I've always looked at him and, and Mick, although he's a superstar, as just a human being, you yeah, know. I think that's a good way to be. Fine. So, there you go. Yeah. Tell you, that's quite mad, like, hearing that again. Even though I, it was me that was there and talking to her, I still can't believe I was speaking to her. <laughs> She's so sound. She was like, I had to be there before. She's like, just remember, I really appreciate you as well. So, anything you need. And I'm like, ah, you don't even need to know me. You don't even need to bother with me. And I think that's really cool that you do. She's uh, so invested in her dad and his legacy. I think that's beautiful. I know, I, I think she's amazing and she likes butterflies and you know me and my butterflies yeah, yeah, You're more of a moth, but I mean uh, same thing I suppose mm-hmm. I've got a, a moth tattoo Have you? Well there you go oh, That must be something like mm-hmm. Although, mm-hmm. are you attracted to the light? No, bright light, bright light. Um, So, yeah you know, despite the fact that the thing is, is obviously you've kind of touched on this before that he went and he learned um, reading, writing, arithmetic, just your basic education, and then he went back and studied business. And with him, um, together with his wife, they ran it. 
Yeah, like yeah actually, and I'll tell you another thing I brought up today as well. This is really important. Now, I, I, I remember um, when I was younger, I encouraged everybody who was in my friend circle who knew what music meant to me to go and uh, to go and watch Cadillac Records because it done a really good job of of popularising uh, music that wasn't very popular. It, it brought some cool people into like, 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 I mean, Beyonce played Etta James and it was like, mm. most Def played Chuck Berry and it, there was loads of cool stuff right, about this film. I love it. I still love it. I'm we not watched saying it not Yeah, uh, more than once, to be honest. And I'm not saying it was uh, totally accurate, but I will say one thing about it, is that Chess Records, for all the good they did, they were very much a business, they were very much a record company and they were very much all about Greasing the, the the artists to um Make to, to to to, uh, <laughs> to suffice to suffice uh, their their own business and, and to be fair like if it was my business or if it was your business or the listeners' business you would understand that you were trying to make it work so that the artist was happy but you still made the money you wanted to make right so that's what they were trying to do mm-hmm. right and they were very honest about it Marshall Chess is very honest about it when he talks about his dad's business right so mm-hmm. so that's not Write them off for that. That's just business. However, then Howlin' Wolf comes along and he's like, ah, "Keep your Cadillac. I want what I'm due. I just want what I'm due." You know, he didn't ask for anything extra. He didn't accept. Actually, it's not about asking because I don't think for a minute that Chuck Berry or Muddy Waters or any of these guys asked for that. I think that because they were used to having nothing, mm-hmm. I think they were quite happy to accept it. And yeah, that's I mean, fair like enough. A totally, 100% respectable absolutely. decision. Absolutely. Like you know nice I mean? clothes, nice yeah, car. Yeah. I, yeah. Every, everything, you know. But um, but your man, Chester Burnett, went like that. Well, look, how about you keep your pink Cadillac and everything else and you and just give me a wee envelope with what I'm due. Like, honestly. And there is a point in that film... Where um, where he says to Money Waters, he says, "See the difference between me and you is, uh, I own my car. I don't own me. Mm-hmm. You it's know? a Pontiac. Yeah, and uh, although he did drive a Chevrolet four before in the film, which was one of the points I said was inaccurate. Yeah, it was a station wagon he drove, very much a family estate car, and you know, you know. and Etta James, um." They didn't have that relationship that's portrayed in the film. No, no, but, but they had a very close. The, aye, but they had a very close friendship. But they kind of almost liked each other to hate each other. Yeah, but I think uh, I think to be fair though, that there was an element of that put together for for the sake of the film, not for yeah, absolutely. Accuracy, mm-hmm. you know, and it was mm-hmm. a very well made film. And I think that anybody who wants to invest in the music without investing too much on the f- hard facts I, th- I think they should definitely watch it because it's a good film mm-hmm. and and it was de- it was better than the last one they brought out about Jazz Records I forget the name of it but I'm pretty sure um, Who Do You Love is what it's called but I don't know it was in the oh, night we, we tried finding it we tried, I, I, I'm glad we, I'm glad we didn't after mm-hmm. the reviews but, mm-hmm. but anyway it's not about film I'm not a film reviewer so um, Although, if you're <laughs> 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 so, I, so I think um, there's loads of stuff we can talk about with that guy, right? And and there's loads of stuff that's kind of missed out, I mm-hmm. think, mm-hmm. right? So I need to ask you, Fiona, truthful, mm-hmm. truthfully, mm-hmm. no, because you're just like riding away from me, right? And that's not fair. Right, I'm doing all the work here. So how about this? Mm-hmm. How about you tell me your very first experience on listening to Hell Wolf? 
Because it may, oh. it may be similar to other people's, you know? Um, okay, so I was probably quite a young teenager. I moved out at 16, so like, I lived on my own. So, you know, kind of, I was still at what would be constitutes as a young teen now, but I, I was very grown up, obviously. Um, but um, it was the first time that I really could play what I wanted and, you know, kind of all the rest of it. And... Um, Sound effects are brilliant. Oh, we get, we've not got the ice cube one on today. Um, and I got a CD from, uh, I think it was, oh, I don't know. I don't know where it came from. Somebody gave me it, or I'd heard it somewhere, and I went, oh my God, I love this. Yeah, yeah. I love everything on this. Can I, ha- can I like, borrow it? And it was Smokestack Lightning was the first. Oh, brilliant. First okay, I okay, ever, yeah. ever heard. First kind of blues that I was aware of that sounded blues, you know, that wasn't kind of, that could fit in with other music. Yeah. And um, and for as long as I've had a, a mobile phone that was able to have a, a ringtone, it has been on there um, for at the majority point, of yeah, the time. At some point, mm-hmm. uh, this okay. is my ringtone now, and and I just I loved it. I I loved it, and I still get the same buzz when I hear it now as I did back then. When this this music was completely new to me. See, I think um, I think the reason I asked you that question is because I know that I've I've asked similar questions before, and I know the answer was similar to to what you just said. And what I will say is, I think it's amazing how you ex- received that music because you knew nothing about it. Mm. And it's it's this preconception of blues, right? You know how mm. we're, it's an underlying topic for us. Yeah. How, how this blues thing is always this negative or or this a preconceived way of hearing something. So I was in my mum's car with her the other day. I think oh, I don't know why I was. Oh, why? Because we were taking her up to hospital, sure. Anyway, yeah. um, so I was in the car and we were talking about it, and she's going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm um, so I thought no, nope, no, nope, I'm having none of this. So I'm so I said to her, right, okay. So I'm singing a, a bit of hoochie coochie man. I'm going right, what's wrong with that? <laughs> and you know, spoonful. And I'm going see what's wrong with that. And she's going, oh, is that blues? And then I'm going, So that's the point, though. I mean, it is. But so, without getting in too much to the to the political side of it all, mm-hmm. like, um. An element of it comes from the church. An element of it comes from the fields. But the bottom line is, it's a it's a mode of communication for a for a people that were very much not given that right naturally. And that's yeah, in a well nutshell. It's, it's you progressed know, from you know, chance, whether it be chance and church, chance and fields. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and mm. and um, and I think that you know, like BB King always says, like, oh, it was a good way to say, oh, yeah, the boss coming, better tighten up. You know, because mm-hmm. you were having a relaxed kind of shift, mm-hmm. but when you, as soon as you seen the, you, you know, yeah, the so I'm going coming, to leave my women and you know, I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. And, and all these kind of underhanded kind of ways of singing about it, like here comes the biscuit roller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if your biscuit roller's I gone, know. that's usually your wife's buggered off. Know. You know, and that's absolutely fine. You know, it's just from from my. I've had a few spooky moments recently, like yeah, ha- haven't well, I? And yeah, then, and yeah. it was like I'd never heard. Biscuit roller, and now every time I play a song, it's like, oh, well, there it is again, there it is again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I suppose you hadn't realised how actually <laughs> relevant it was. Uh, it's like jelly roll. <laughs> well, yeah. Here it is again. <laughs> right, we have got Death Letter Blues by Sunhouse. Oh, yeah, and we'll tell you why that's important after. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. I'm 
is hurting again, your love is dead I got a letter this morning My heart is ringing red You know it's a hurry, hurry I call again, your love is dead oh, I grabbed up my suitcase Took her down the road When I got there, she's laying on the cooling board I grabbed up my suitcase and I said I took out down the road. I said, but when I got down, she was laying on a cooling board. Well, I walked her right close, looked down in her face. Said, good old girl, gonna be the judgment day. I walked her right close, and I said, I looked down in her face. Said the good old girl Gotta lay in a judgment day The back of the 10,000 people Standing round the bearing ground I didn't know I loved Tell the letter down Looked like 10,000 Almost standing round the bearing ground You know I didn't love Until I began the letter down Well, I fooled up, Mom. I slowly walked away. I said, Farewell, honey. I'll see you judgment day. Yeah. Oh, yes, I walked away. I said, Farewell, farewell. I'll see you judgment day. You know, I didn't feel so bad till the good old sun went down. I didn't have a soul to throw my arms around. I didn't feel so bad until the good Lord sun me down. Someone don't love you. Ain't satisfaction, don't care what you do. Yeah, it's so hard. Someone don't love you. You don't look like any satisfaction. Don't care what you do. Well, I got up this morning to break a day. Just hugging the pillows. She used to lay as soon this morning. Yes, it's a break of day. Mm, I got up this morning feeding around for my shoes. You know what I must have? They're walking blues. Soon this morning, I'm feeling out for my shoes. Yeah, I know about that. I must have the walking blues. So loud, so nice and clean. Yeah.
woman I'm loving. Great long curly hair. Well, she's a married woman. I heard my. a nice kind of like you could slow dance to that Aye. in fact it could be like do you want to slow dance to that not right now but I mean Aye. like later on well, well. you know me I like to be dance uh, usually usually inappropriately though I mean I will uh, never invite you to another family funeral again <laughs> never will I do that again <laughs> speaking you of rich actually the death letter was good eh? death letter was good like <laughs> do you know I think death letter was a great song yeah, but um, yeah, because I like to be bit in it. But you play that as well, don't you? No, yes. not properly. I like that. I bet you can play the wee bit that I've wee bit. Do 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 do. Please, because now everybody's going to rock right, yeah, bit. Right, okay. What wee bit, Fiona? That sounds nothing like what we've just heard. That wee bit. Go. That bit. 
Ah, yeah, see. Uh, okay, <laughs> uh, it's not very good because I'm sitting on this awkward sized chair. Mm-hmm. I think we need to start videoing these podcasts because basically I sound like I'm full of excuses. But in actual fact, I'm hanging off the pointy end of, of a semi cushioned bar stool and you next see to a pool table. That, like, we're sitting here with like cups of tea, right? You know, when, when pretending that we're sitting here with like rum and ice and stuff. It's not as glamorous as you think. I don't even brush my hair for it. Or teeth. Teeth, teeth, teeth I do. Hair, not so much. Makeup, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, I mean, I did say well, a few of our listeners have gone, oh, please, you've got to live stream at the same time. And I I'm know, like, but then I'd I have to actually... Like, you know, I always <laughs> want to do that. You know, he's wanting to say, you know. <laughs> I know. So I like the whole... So You know, I like the... Um, <laughs> I, I like the fact that we can actually just do what we please on a show, but most importantly, this show is pretty accurate to, to the facts, you know, and... Um, the reason we do, we we did play the Sunhouse song is because he was actually a, a relevant member of um, Chester's circle of friends. Sorry, mm-hmm. Hello, Wolf, for those who don't know his real name. Chester. Yeah, it's, you know, he was a he was a friend. You know, he was a friend. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's important that you know all they, of it's kept. Aye, they were relevant. They were all kind of um, together, and uh, sorry. Uh, you should if you're if you're like sitting thinking you know I'm loving all this and I want to know more. Uh, there's a really good documentary, free, available on YouTube, um, that you can check out with uh, Sunhouse in it. And Aye, that's one of the best examples. Oh, no, it is. It is. I loved them even more after that. Oh, yeah, the like, fact uh, that you showed up and said singing blues and like but I um. It's mental and it's cool and, and it's good and, and you get to see people as they as they were, and uh, and I think that's the best way to be. Really. Well, you know what I think actually. To be fair, I really do believe that this whole premise um, of having a, a show that's honest to the genre instead of just playing the songs and and just that being it. I think the fact that we can relate to the the truth of it by talking to people who are involved in it or or know people who are involved in it and can check out the backstory and make sure it's accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's important, but I think that we're equally very lucky this time to have such a massive impact on it. You know, I mean, Barbara's brand new. She's mm-hmm. a really, really nice person. Mm-hmm. And she had absolutely no qualms about um, talking to me after knowing that I had something else to talk about because Aye, <laughs> she also she did her, her investigation and research on you as well. Um, Aye, you know, what. so so you've got a connection to that um, that is honest and genuine that everybody can see. And saying that, actually, I don't think um, I have mentioned at all that you've got you've got a gig coming up, like one of your. Uh, this is a big one. Yeah. Um, for oh, this year. You, oh yeah, the one with the first one actually. Yeah. So yeah, you got Dave. with Dave Arcari who. We have played on here. I've played on my Wednesday show as well. Absolutely amazing. I, I need to tell you about Dave. Actually, he's um, so not only is he very much um, you know, a, a down to earth guy, a sound guy. He, he's he's a very um, accomplished person. You know, he's done he's done a lot of music. He's he's still doing a lot of music, 
But he's doing a lot of music based on the fact that he works hard. It's not really because he's been overly lucky. He's actually had to work at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of my idols, um, Michael Messer, actually told me he used to be his um, booking agent or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that he's uh, his actual job title, but apparently he was really good at that as well. And probably for the same reasons, because he's, he's so very, invested. And he's very personable and he's lovely and genuine and that you can tell that from him. Absolutely. And, and he was very grateful for the slightest help from the slightest of people. I know. You know, like hence your leather bracelet and your. I but I like I'll share his post and he comes on and makes sure they actually say thank you. I know people that aren't like even in the public eye and I'll share their post and they're just like, oh, like she shared my post, but right now that's so much. Yeah, I've got a cool haircut and I just tricks it, so I'm automatically too cool for that. I are Which like is stupid. I've, I, this is my debut single and I'm kind of you know beginning my music career and um, and you've played it on the radio but I'm not even going to bother saying things. I know, I know, because <laughs> clearly that's how how things work, you know. <laughs> um, so I, I, yeah, I think that he's a he's a consistent um, reminder of what what being successful takes, mm-hmm. not what it is but what it takes because mm-hmm. he maybe is successful by by every means you can imagine, but. At the same time, he's more relevant in what it takes to get there because he's still doing it. Mm-hmm. He's still doing it like he was starting it. Aye, aye he's, he's grafting. Do you know, he's grafting every exactly. Mm-hmm. My words exactly. He's still grafting at it every single day, and you know what I'm humbled by is the fact that you know I've always assumed that my musical prowess has been based on who I was working with. So, I mean, I, I've been very grateful. I've worked with like Greg Taylor, I've worked with Adele Gavin, I've worked with these people who, who do matter. Like, they're, they're very talented, and it's always been like a, this kind of 50 50 split. And, you know, we've been, you know, it's been our thing, not my thing. Mm-hmm. And I've always been um, self conscious or, or very worried about ever taking a jump to do anything on my own because I've been really concerned that people invest in me through somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. And Dave, out of all the people that could have possibly given me that step, Dave Arcari is one of the people who actually reminded me that I'm okay without anybody. Absolutely. You know, and, yeah. and, and I never thought I'd say that publicly, but you know, I do actually for once in my life believe that. And mm-hmm. and me feeling like that is also um a reminder of um what Helen Wolf brought to to the world because like I said, he came from nothing. Uh, he walked. Anybody who can walk seventy-five miles with the best of gear on is doing well. But to do it with no shoes, just for a better chance. And and bearing in mind that he lived with his dad, and his dad got me his first guitar when he was eighteen. But he'd been there a while, so he was still young when he did this. Ah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think that he really does send a massive, massive uh, message to the world. Uh, and not only that, I mean, let's not forget that you know. I mean, in Chicago, they they put his picture on a stamp. I mean, they done that in this country with the Queen. You know what I mean? I mean, really, I'd rather have Howl and Wolf. Aye, Let's be honest. Too. You know, I'd rather have Howl and Wolf. And he's done loads of charity work, and he was very approachable by all his band members. And and he actually did have very strict rules. Obviously, you know, I don't care if you drink, right? If you've got a drinking problem, you don't do it in public. And if you've got a, and if you got the need for a drink, you don't do it during the show. 
and I'll buy it mm-hmm. after the show. Just paid, make sure you're professional. You know, he paid um, unemployment. He paid sick healthcare, pay. Healthcare, healthcare. Yeah, he offered healthcare. He, paid, he made sure that yeah that they paid their what they were due, so that they never get into trouble. It was a properly run business, and he took care of everybody in his circle. And he he lived in very modestly. He didn't, you know, he wasn't like flashy. I but didn't forget though. See, because he treated them like that was the reason he always had the best band in town. Mm-hmm. He always had the best players. Hubert Sumlin was in tears when he lost them because he treated them so well and he looked after them. But he didn't look after them just financially. He looked after them as a person mm-hmm. because his band was his career. His career was his life. His life mattered, you know? And, the, yeah, and it's, it's like a snowball fun. effect. So if you, only, if you only treat people for gain, then, then mm-hmm. you're going to lose. And I think the fact that those band members had so much respect. I mean, Sam Lane along died there. I mean, uh, another lovely guy, right? But he played, he played with Helen Wolf, um, and he still kept the home videos. And the home videos has got like Sonny Boy Williamson and and mm-hmm. Helen Wolf playing, and all these other guys that I've I've always loved, right? And it, it was just such a. You can look at the video and you think, wow, that's just such a normal thing mm-hmm. it's just like a it almost looks there's a rugby club where I grew up right and they used to put on parties and that down there and, I, and when I watched the Sam Lane's home video with him and Wolf and, and Sonny Boy I thought Chris is that our rugby club <laughs> you know that, that's how normal it looks Mira's garden party yeah exactly <laughs> so, exactly so it, it really does look just mm-hmm. that normal eh? and I think that um, I think that popularity kind of jades that um you know that that whole picture, but mm-hmm. I think he's one of the guys that has done it all. He still took his kids aye. camping. They went fishing. Uh, that's what that's what he did. He did the music. I mean, he obviously enjoyed making music, but he did the music. He went home to his family, and he did that to make the money to do things with his family. Yeah, and and I think um, the fact that well, you've heard already some of his daughter's opinion I mean when you hear the rest of it you'll be like oh, wow mm-hmm. you know it really is as black and white as that mm-hmm. you know it's not there was literally everything about his professional career was put on on available media mm-hmm. it's the stuff that we, that I asked her that, that matters for me because otherwise we'd just be sitting playing Howling Wolf songs and googling what he's yeah. did and talking about it and that mm-hmm. would be rubbish I mean it wouldn't be rubbish it would still be cool because he's great but I mean it would be rubbish in comparison to you let, know. let me just take this moment to clear up the one small fact that there is a, a plethora of information do you like that word? I'm quite surprised I got it out of my mouth actually. no there's lots of information available however I am very good at finding stuff that nobody else can so we'd still have a wee edge don't you worry um, no, right, okay. it's honestly um, we've got we've got so many ideas. If you want to phone Barbara up and say, "Look, by the way, Hen, no, no, right, no I found no, something that no. you don't know." Right? I, I <laughs> hey, go. Found something. I know. Do no, definitely not. Do you know? Um, it's great to have this, um, <laughs> but it could have so easily have burst my bubble. <laughs> she could have been like, "Oh, he was a horrible man." Uh, no, no, <laughs> but, but 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 we both. Let's be honest. You can tell, eh? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you another thing too. I spoke to somebody else over the week. That's um, <laughs> really important and also really important to the show. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that in a minute. But let's put on some music first. Well, right? we've got we've got another wee word from Barbara. Would you want to do that first then? And then we've got okay, some we'll Charlie first. Patton. We've got some Ian Seal, and we've got a uh, spoonful from Helen Mills. Yes, so I think we should just blast it all. It's on Chronicle. So just blast it on. You get to hear, um, yeah, 
All I'd like to say is to you and Fiona and your listeners and, uh, you know, viewers, just keep the blues alive and keep it well. Not only alive, but well. It is ten more points. I love my life like that. It is ten more points. I love my life like
ain't going down This old dirt road by myself Ain't going down This old day road by myself If I can't carry you darling Oh I'm gonna have to carry me somebody Today have been Oh, a sad and a lonesome day Yeah, today have been Oh, a sad and a lonesome day That's why I'm going down This old dirt road by myself
to howling. I dig me a great big hole in the ground. Myself a great big old hole in the ground. You know the folk they call me the Pink Panther. <laughs> oh, but my baby know me by the way I make my sound. Woo.
Darren call me the wolf. Oh, how cool is that? And then I'm going. Well, it's going quiet, but there's there's another no, bit. No, 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 there's a wee extra oh. there. A wee extra. Um, I love that cover, Hank Williams. And I, I know it's not it's not directly related to to what we were doing, but um, I think that the fact that he's he's just shown that he's very true to what influences him. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Charlie, Charlie Patton, Charlie Patton, Hell Wolf, and um. And, uh, and I think anybody who's in the right mind and who wants to actually see all the UK listeners, I know for a fact firsthand that um, Ian Siegel not only has a new album coming out very soon, but mm-hmm. he's got a new tour coming. Even though he said, even though he said, "Oh, that's my last tour. I've moved to a wee Caribbean island and I'm living it up now," he still loves, like he says, he's a tart for the music. Yeah, but do you know what? I, I watched a live um, gig. No, it's, it's him and a guitar on a stage. There's no theatrics. There's no costume changes. And he's he just talks while he's tuning his guitar and he tells you these funny wee stories about the song that he's going to sing, why he likes it. He does um, a, a vast variety of music. So it's not all blues. He does some country. He does some... Well, I've done the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, I'm sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> in, in the style of Johnny Cash. I'm oh. sorry. I, I, I'm. Still I know. I know. I know. Mm, I've said my word. Um. So, but it's it's good, and it is is be funny things in between. Um. But they're not rehearsed either, because obviously no, they're no, specific I to each place he's going to. Absolutely. You know, so. Yeah. And I think um, I think the fact that it, on top of all of that, on top of all of that, is still he's still the same Ian Siegel that 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 was growing up learning to do this stuff. And he's like he's still he's still got that kind of mm-hmm. not naivety, but he's got that he's got that um, kind of boyish playfulness about his character when he's playing. And I think that I, I mean I know I get around for it quite a lot through you, so I mean I know I'm still like that. But I mean to be like that and be so accomplished is something that's really cool because that's a that's a massive that's a massive um, showing of honesty. Mm-hmm. You know you know. Do you know what he did though? What? See him rescuing that wee dog. 
Oh, no, I know, I know, I know. Mm. He's a good guy. Aye. But you know what, though? So if you get an opportunity and he's coming to a town near you, I would definitely recommend buying tickets and going and checking them out. See, to be fair, also, you're saying, oh, that makes him a good guy, but what really made him a good guy, first of all, was the fact that Michael Messer was like, oh, I know Ian really well. Say this to him, he's a really good guy, we go back a long time. And Michael Messer's literally the most selfless guy mm-hmm. that, that I have ever met at his level of professionalism. Like, honestly, him and Dave are carrier up there together, actually, to be fair. You know? I think um, everybody that I have, um, I haven't met a lot of them because, well, they're spread all over the place for a start. And then the last two years, we've been in this mad isolation and whatnot. But, um, and then before that, you know, I didn't go anywhere. So <laughs> um, lockdown wasn't anything different to me, apart from there was no school run. That was quite good. Um, but, I've, you know, interacted with a lot of these people and uh, I have to say, uh, and I've said it, I know, a million times before, but it is, it's, everybody's still so genuine and humble and 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 this this show and future ones and ones we've done, we're, you know, speaking to people, Cameron Kimbra, uh, Robert Kimbra Sr. Oh, no, 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 but you know they're they're superstars in their field and um and yet you know still going what's the weather like where you are we've had snow <laughs> I know actually there's there's one guy in particular I spoke to the other night and um, not only did he only so so his his agent was like that to me so um how, you know how long do you need and what not else right and I said well this is how long I normally take right. Uh, like half an hour or something just to do an interview and I said I will record it but you know we'll only use the bits that are alright with him and what not else however what actually happened was not only could he not get his Zoom to work right <laughs> um, he showed up and he was like hey man thanks for doing this I was like, I've been in lockdown for like two years I hardly play my guitar when I'm not here and by the way when you realise who this guy is you'll be like ah, no Way. Uh, see when he got his, see when he got his Zoom to work. I thought you'd just go and congratulations, won the lottery. You won the lottery. <laughs> I know. And then he's like, ah, um, so so I was telling him that I'm in a Buck of White now, you know, Buck of White music. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he's like, oh, I love Buck of White. His technique, uh, that whole Aberdeen, Mississippi, um, blues. I love that. I just wish I could do that. I said, well, I can do that. He's like, ah, no, but I mean, really, like, I mean, the slapping <laughs> thing. I says, yeah, I'll show you. So he's like, I, I have been admiring your guitars on the wall. Because obviously my camera's pointed at my back wall. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, I'll tell you what, how about this? I'll just get my guitar down and prove you wrong, how You know, after seven Grammys, pal, I still can play this, right? So give me a break. And he's like, ah, wow. So he says, if I ever get to Scotland, will you show me how to do that? And I thought, you know what? This, not only was I like, I had tickly bits in the tickly bits, right? When he said that, but... I also realised that he's still human. Yeah. He's still he's still one of these guys who like my, like how Wolf like mm-hmm. like all these people were talking about. You know that is the amazing thing, and I think that actually, to be fair, and I'm not being biased, although maybe slightly, um, the blues community 100 percent is that one community that is still very much mm-hmm. you know you mm-hmm. know a community. It's yeah, not a cutthroat still, community. Still it's each a other one up. hand, you know, one hand with the other, and mm-hmm. and and I always talk about Dave Akari being the biggest beacon for that because he helps literally everybody who comes in and shows him any kindness. Mm-hmm. You know, he's helped me with all sorts, and 
Oh. I just, I can't wait till you get your pink Cadillac and matching pink dog. Anyway, um, so we've got some Els Bailey coming up for you. <laughs> I know, I know I was thick and stupid. Put this song on, put this song on. <laughs> Enjoy. Money was a singer, he always sang the blues. Walter was the harpist, he had nothing to lose. Tunes, but I smoke stacks in the backyard, howling at the moon. Wow, wow, If I was a lady with a smoky kind of a voice, the kind that makes the man feel like he don't have a choice. Chess men played the pieces, but they all played twelve bars. Well, smokestacks in the backyard, howling, who and the stars. Wow, 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 wow,
Johnson, Prince of the Delta Blues and the great nephew of Muddy Waters, and you're listening to Galtie and the Gators Blues, a new show in Scotland. And yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. How cool is that? It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And so, can I tell you about? Uh, is that all right? Or yeah. You sure? Mm-hmm. Okay. So. The only reason I I did mess so there's a show coming up right that's going to involve him a lot more. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of a music project coming up with myself that's going to involve him a lot, a lot, a lot. But um, however, the reason I played that um, clip is because it, his persona and his attitude towards this kind of music, especially Helen Wolf, and given that his uncle was Muddy Wars. Um, and they came from the same horrible, horrible background that I could never... Look, being a gypsy and be, being segregated in Britain is much different to being segregated because of the colour of your skin mm-hmm. or because of where you were born, right? So, um, 
you know, I will never ever be able to relate to that. But um, the fact that both Muddy Waters and and uh, Helen Wolf left this mark on the world, you know, they came from literally nothing. I mean, I don't know if I told you this right, but Muddy Waters uh, actually got approached by um, John Lomax, right, <laughs> to record his first song and. Because he was going about, so John Lomax is one of the biggest deals ever in modern music because he kind of kept his stuff relevant, mm-hmm. much like Robert Muggy, much like uh, like John Hammond and uh, all these guys. Right? So there's been a handful of people in the world that have actually done a good effort, much like yourselves, to keep this um, cultural tradition alive. Right? And anyway, Muddy Waters was that used to this oppression that. Um, the only reason he actually listened to the guy was because he drank out his glass, and back then, a white man to drink out a black man's glass was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It would just wouldn't have been heard. Of. He would have been shunned and everything. Mm-hmm. But but he did it because he was honest. So so that's the kind of thing that they came from. Keith Johnson, however, is this is this like descendant relative, but still has that exact same drive. Exact same ability and exact same persona as Muddy Waters did, and um, I think it's amazing. It, I spoke to him for about an hour actually the other night, and uh, we were talking about. Like, I expect it to go different, right? So before these interviews, right, I'm like, oh, what's going on? Like, you know, I'm nervous and I don't know what to ask. And even though I've got loads of questions that I really want to ask that you all want to hear. Before that, I'm like, ah, meltdown, mm-hmm. what do I ask? Mm-hmm. And then he ended up just talking about the stuff that's important to him. And it turned out it's the same stuff that's important to us. And, you know, I thought that I was going to be a relevant reason to use his clip, mm-hmm. you know, because we've got a show coming up that's going to talk about all this stuff, mm. you know, and how he's deli- he's the only guy in the blue scene now at his age that is deliberately only playing covers of stuff that's already relevant to the genre. But keeping it fresh, no, yeah, that almost sounds impossible. But he's managing, like, and it's amazing. And I, and I can imagine some people thinking, "I so he's like using somebody else's success to boost his own career." But what um, what he means by that is he wants the traditional blues to be to go on to next generations and next generations, and that's why he does it that way. Um, but speaking of things like that, our next song. What one? Coco Taylor. Alright, okay. So I this is a weird one actually. This song in particular um was written in Wally Dixon's words for Coco Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um the story goes Coco Taylor's lying in bed one night as per and uh gets a phone call. Stupid clock stupid o'clock, you know, you know, daft a time, you know, and uh and it's Wally Dixon he says, Look Coco, you need to get your mum to the studio. I need you to record a song. You know, mm-hmm. I, we need to do a song. So I've written a song and it's just, it's made for you, man. It's made for you. She's like, ah, really? Because it's like like half one in the morning and can I not wait? And Willie Dixon's words were, nah, you need to pick the chicken when the water's hot, right? Mm-hmm. That was his words. Now, if you Google this song, everybody will say it's a, it's a Holy Wolf song, right? And I think that's, I mean, I don't know factually, because let's be honest, none of us were there, so I'm not going to claim to know all the answers, but what I will say is, 
I do know it was a Coco Taylor song in terms of Willie Dixon wrote it for her. So whoever gets credited for it after Willie Dixon doesn't matter to me. Even if it is named Hell I don't care. Right, because the fact is that's what happened, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the reason you Google it and it comes up a Hell Wolf song is because I just found out today, literally today, that um he recorded it before she did. Even though she was performing it before him, mm-hmm. he recorded it before she did. And I think that's the reason that it worked out with that. But take make no mistake, it was a Wild Dixon song. He wrote all these he songs. Wrote, he wrote the, most of the songs for Yeah, he was, was a very talented time. man. Mm-hmm. Because he was a bass player, you know. Mm-hmm. We're all the same. Lol. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm only joking. Mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. Right, well, without further ado, enjoy. Right, let's have it. Tell automatic slim to tell razor toting Jim. Tell butcher knife toting nanny. Tell fast talking fanny. We gonna pitch a bar.
tell me, hush. Look, my Johnny, baby. Oh, now it feel good to a man.
Mr. Ian Siegel there. I hope you enjoyed that. That was Sugar Rush. Sure, let me on in there, Sonny. I was yawning like mad. I was like, so... Almost swallowed his face. You know one of them... Was it one of them that hurt the back of your throat? Sorry. No, what? Do you know? That's not a yawn. I think I'm going to hear I'm sorry. And do you mind? This is like an afternoon radio show. So keep that to yourself. Thanks very much. But no, it didn't hurt the back of my throat. No, it made me yawn. Thanks. Oh, no. I keep doing them... Big giant Talk. ones, and it, uh, it, does, it feels like you've got something jagged <laughs> in it. Anyway, you keep, you keep. Uh, wait, 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 no, it's because it's because it's because it's because. because, because. <laughs> let's let's do I'm going to repeat what you said. So <laughs> an intent. <clears throat> it's because I keep doing those big ones, and they give me that jaggy feeling down the back of my throat. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Hen. You're dumped. We're over. It's finished. I love you. <laughs> 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 Anywho. Do you want to just think about what you say first? Thanks very much. No. So, <laughs> I like being just as surprised as the rest of you. Um, <laughs> so, we're almost at the end of the show. And um, actually, on a completely very, very serious note, um, if you have been tuning in to us every week, you know that we did a, an artist special on Jimmy Johnson um, because like, he basically opened a big, massive door uh, yeah, for our radio he, show. He helps us massively, and, and he's also not to mention right now. Uh, this is pretty hard to say as well, but recently his brother as well. Yeah, so uh, uh, there's been a, a lot of losses recently. Um, so sadly, he passed away, and um, it must have been what not long a, a week or so. Yeah, it was not long, maybe a week and a half. Uh, Sylvester, his brother. Also passed away. Sil, 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 song for hip hop music aye, like Snoop Dogg and everything aye, aye, aye and they're mm-hmm. still doing it yeah and mm-hmm. it wasn't that long ago aye. right and that's because of the quality of it and the sucking of soul Motown I wouldn't even say Motown but it's got this other it's aye. got this other vibe mm-hmm. it's got this other thing a lot more soul um, but um, so we felt that it was only fitting that we, we play out today with a song from Jimmy Johnson it felt quite um, personal. I, I was, I was, I, I was a gutted. bit upset about mm-hmm. having to pick a song because of that reason. I yeah, absolutely. But he did inspire me greatly um, with his music, but also his outlook on life. The same as um, Highland Wolf family was important to him. And at the end of the day, when they'd finished their gigs, all they thought about was getting home to their wives. Uh, I mean, um, Jimmy and Sherry were together like. Must have, must have been close to 60 years yeah yeah I, I, a long long time like, and I'll tell you what I, I want to see before we run out of time though mm-hmm. can we stick on a bit more of um, Barbara aye have you not know, scrolled down though mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I've not done a great job of putting it together three four five six seven. Uh, we've done three so put on four obviously because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. after three mm-hmm. is it yeah, because you've read most of the stuff, like you say, like everybody else. There's not too much else to tell, like you say, except deep personal stories. You know, like I said, he loved hunting dogs. He liked to fish. You know, he just, he liked to eat wild game. Just 
little things like that, you know, and he loved, loved our mother, and he always showed, you know, a lot of love for us. So, I, like I say, he was a man among men, I always say. <laughs> Is there any memories that you have of your own that are fond, you know, any favorite memories, so to speak? Yeah, I think of things every day. He and I, he, of course, in his later years, his kidneys were pale and blah, blah, and there were certain things he shouldn't eat. And we would sneak off and and get some of those kinds of food without trying, without my mom knowing and stuff like that. And like I say, he, he was a... He would ask my boyfriends if they stayed too late at night, did they bring their pajamas because, you know, it was time for them to go off. When he did wake up, because he slept days, you know, mostly, but on Sundays or something, when they were there, he'd halfway doze, and then you'd hear him coming up the stairs chasing the boyfriends away. But again, just <laughs> like any dad, you don't sit too late at somebody's house. And I do like, I remember him when he went to England, bringing back the prettiest uh, slips, you know, for my sister and my mom and us. I guess someone helped him choose some items. But, yeah, he just, uh, like I say, I, I just see him as like any other man, you know. He, But he was kind. He was good. To, to amazing. That's what it was. It was amazing. And um, so that's us. We're at the end uh, of our show. We're going to play out with a fantastic song from Jimmy Johnson. I've really enjoyed this one, by the way, and I've really enjoyed just being able to talk about something that I care about, like and mm-hmm. and and just be, just not be like objective, just be honest, mm-hmm. and just you know, you know. What I mean? I have to be honest. I, I enjoy these because this is our listeners are just getting to know like what our normal conversations are like. Is that you're getting downtime. to know us absolutely? And I'll tell you, see if you really care about our show and you really like what we do, then send the page of your message, and um, we're going to start a patron scheme where for for save like say five pound a month, so like one pound twenty five a week, you're going to get privy to the full conversation the full the things the full that can't interview. be broadcast aye the full <laughs> interview and um, for 7.50 a month you'll maybe get like uh, the video as well so you get to see what the guy's house looks like you get to see what it's mm-hmm. like you, you know you'll get to see the more personal side of what we do because it's not really just us I'll tell you what I've just finished scratching my bum we're going to do a radio show it's not mm-hmm. like that it takes a bit of work and and it takes yeah, a bit of work, and, work, and it takes a lot of work from from Fiona to control me because I'm very much just a blues guy, a musician who knows the stuff, but she's the one that puts it all together in format and, and is able to produce it in a way that that sounds good to you guys. So, so it's her fault basically. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, of all the talent he's worked with, now he's stuck with me. Hi, <laughs> hi. Oh, well, that's what I say. Uh, you're so brother. You're the hottest, so it's cool. <laughs> I'd like to think I'm slightly nicer looking as a female than Greg Taylor would be, but you know, <laughs> yeah, the man with facial hair. You know, at least that's something I don't have. Um, Not anymore. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but no, but, uh, we have in-depth conversations and and then have to sit and clip them out because obviously you're a person and you're not always on your best behaviour and, and speaking in your most polite voice <laughs> and there's wow, spare words I, I, I mean you're a beacon of purity but you know some of the people we speak to their language is a wee bit foul at times <laughs> so <laughs> but you know um, 
that's the way it is. And if we just played everything, then we, you know, there wouldn't be time for all the bits and pieces of information. Yeah. I think personally, we could go back and do a whole other Howling Wolf um, story. And absolutely. <laughs> and I think no problem. I think that um, you need to keep in tune with what we're doing and. And thanks very much for tuning in, especially this show because it took a bit of work getting it together. Absolutely, and, and making the time difference and, mm-hmm. and 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 actually getting around to area thinking. So, mm-hmm. you know. so we have been Gaulty Negator, and you have been fantastic. Enjoy. <laughs> You understand what it is to be a stranger in this unfriendly land. Here's my hand, here's my hand. Take it, darling, and just lead me on. Let me walk I want to walk right by your side And let your love Be my only guide Here's my hand Here's my hand Take it darling And just lead me on Just leave me on 